What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show, episode 27 of the For the Bird podcast, and I have some pretty exciting news. Dancing Gnome Beer, a local brewery here in Pittsburgh, has partnered with the show, and they will be providing us with Dancing Gnome gift cards for me to give away during each show moving forward, starting today. All you have to do is share this episode, tag For the Bird, and we will pick the winner of the first Dancing Gnome gift card giveaway next Monday during the release of episode 28. So if you're local, you like free beer, definitely give us a share and tag us so we know that you shared it. All right, my guest today is Chris Henderson from Three Doors Down. Chris breaks down every Three Doors Down album, tells us some pretty cool stories about each one, and also gives us his personal favorite song off each record as well. He talks about Pittsburgh and the time they played outside of Heinz Field during Rib Fest, which I'm pissed we're going to miss this year. Fuck you, COVID. Hopefully next year, though. Enjoy, guys. Nope. Mr. Pop. Today I have Chris Henderson from Three Doors Down. What's going on, man? Thanks for being on the show. We, we finally were able to pick a day that, that was good for both of us. <laughs> you know, man, it's tough. I got, you know, I got kids, and, the, and even though I'm not working, I'm still busy. Just, oh, for sure, yep. You know, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm a single dad at the moment, so it's just it's, 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 it's crazy. Totally understandable. Uh, so where, where we start these normally is um, just get into some of your earlier musical influences. When you decided uh, you wanted to be in a band for a living or when you knew that that was an actual possibility? Yeah. All right. So I'll do the early influence. So I think the uh, the first rock band I ever really discovered, like discovered on my own, not with my brother. I have seven brothers and one sister and um, they're all like 10 years older than me, something like, you know, um, so, I mean, there was stuff being played when I was a kid, and I remember, you know, The Who and stuff like that, but it didn't just over my head, right? So, I think the first band that I ever was like, hey, I like this, was The Scorpions and that Blackout album. And then once once I kind of got that, that kind of driving guitar thing, then Def Leppard showed up, and it was Pyromania at the time. I think I was, uh, I can't remember what grade I was in, but it was Pyromania. But then I went back and did the catalog, right? So, I went back and did On Through the Night and all that stuff, and really got into that band and then Molly crew came out dude and that changed everything for everybody and yeah. uh, then van halen you know then so then we started i started discovering all these bands and then i, I realized that i had kind of missed some music through my brothers and sisters and went back and started digging through that stuff got into skinnard and uh man the rest is history and my mom's a, was a church pianist my brother's a classically trained a classically trained musician so there's all this classical music going on in the house and, and gospel and uh, being from Mississippi is country and pretty, pretty diverse kind of uh, musical, like listening background just from all different directions. And then um, it's funny, you, you ask the question, like when I thought it would, might be a possibility to be a professional musician, you know what, man, I had a feeling when I was a kid, when I, I was in the first, second grade that I always knew that I was going to do this for a living. I just, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen. Wow. That's and, awesome. Uh, and, and I swear I just had that feeling and, um, and it did, you know, yeah. it did. And, and I, I can't really explain it other than here I am. And, uh, I'm a very lucky guy. I don't want to get me wrong. Like I didn't, you know, I was in the right place at the right time, but when the time came, I was ready. Yeah. That's, that's awesome though. That, that's, yeah. that's really cool. 
Um, what, what I'd like to do with uh, some of the guys on the show when it makes sense is kind of like an album run-through type thing. We just start from the beginning, go through the uh, discography here. You give a little story about the recording process of each album, and then your personal favorite song from each record, if that's cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so we'll start here at the beginning, uh, The Better Life. All right, The Better Life. So it was 1999, July 1999. We, we recorded that in Ardent in Memphis, and uh, Paul Eversold uh, produced it. It was, first time, it was my first studio, real studio experience. I'd been in some, like, small time back in the day, real to real places, and uh, they used an ADAT, you know, back when they was like, it was like a VCR tape, like a high-def mm -hmm. VCR tape, and, uh, and uh, I'd really never really been in a studio. And I walked in, and I saw that board. <laughs> the first time it was like wall-to-wall -wall knobs and bells and whistles and lights and i was like man this is cool i wouldn't mind doing this for a living you know that side of it, the recording side of right it. yeah but uh um i still hadn't had any experiences and but the first song we recorded was a scratch track the better life and that 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 opening guitar part and when the snare drum kicks in it goes pop 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 they played that back after we recorded it live as just you know a scratch track and i could not believe sonically how it sounded i was like dude this is <laughs> This is what it's all about and, and uh that was so that was of course my favorite song off that particular record just because and i still love playing it today that's awesome next one here away from the sun yeah away from the sun recorded that in seattle uh with uh, uh rick parasher and, and jeff ott and we lived there we lived in seattle was, uh lakewood terrace actually it wasn't really seattle proper but um we were there for like four and a half months uh lived in a hotel and uh it was quite the experience, man. You know, uh, the recording um, in that in that room was was uh, you know Pearl Jam was recorded there. Um, you know, all the Blind Melon stuff. There was some uh, Soundgarden. I mean, it was a big time studio, and uh, it was Ardent was too. But this was kind of the grunge place, and, mm -hmm. and they called Rick the Godfather of grunge. It was a really cool experience, and uh, we just really like. I checked into that place and I never really left it. You know what I mean? I stayed there all day, all night, just kind of did my thing, slept on the couch a lot and, and just was always kind of around, just kind of soaking up the studio vibe. I learned a lot about, about the recording process more, more so there than I did the last time. And um, it was really cool. And I think my favorite song off that particular recording was probably here without you. And, and the reason I say that is because um, there were people that didn't like that song and, and there, there are people that didn't think it was going to be a hit. And there are people that thought it was a good song, but it was too soft and it wasn't the right timing and blah, blah. There was a lot of things that people didn't like about it. And everyone was afraid of it. And record label people or people in the band, people in general, like oh, just not, in general. Not, yeah. Just, yeah. Not just anyone in particular in the band or anyone at the labels, just, you know, we heard, we let people hear it and they were like, man, that's risky, dude. Like that's it blew up. Song. Though. It was a huge song. <laughs> biggest song we've ever done. And, wow. and, and cause it was a worldwide hit. It wasn't just, Oh yeah. You know I mean, it wasn't just here. It was like in Europe. You can go, I mean, you can go through Asia and hear that song. It's incredible, the, the coverage it got and, and it's still getting. And so I think that for me, that was the best recording experience I ever had. And, and uh, it just really was. It was really cool. Wow. I had a great time. I had a great time. Awesome. Next one, 17 Days. All right. That one we wrote uh, in my studio in Mississippi. And, and we wrote and hit, the, and hit the studio in 17 days. That's how it got all those songs are written, bam, 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 bam. And wow. well, we brought some of them from uh, from the road kind of pieces and stuff. Um, but when you write on the road, things tend to be about the road. You know, right. The road I'm on, uh, here without you, when I'm gone, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so we were like, all right, guys, let's not do that. 
but mm-hmm. we, so some of the riffs came from the road, but the lyrics did not. The lyrics were literally Brad sat down, wrote every one of those songs and, and uh, lyrically, and boom, we went and recorded it. We did scratch tracks. Uh, we did that with Johnny K, and then went right to uh, Oceanway and knocked it out, man. Bam. Went from Emerald to Oceanway, knocked it out, went home. It was a great, great experience. Nice. Um, <clears throat> Favorite song from that one? Man, oh, God. So I want to say Let Me Go. Nice. You know, and, and, and Let Me Go was, wasn't even written for that record. It, it was written for something else and ended up on the record. It was written for a movie mm-hmm. and ended up on the record, which is, which is incredible. So when yeah. I say 17 days, really probably closer to 22 days, but we wrote uh, Let <laughs> Me Go in a, in a hotel room in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It really. Next year, the uh, self-titled? Three doors down, three doors down. Johnny K again. So we, we started writing that record in Nashville, Tennessee. We rented a house, lived in that house for like four months, and it was miserable. Miserable, man. Just like <laughs> vibe wasn't happening. The songs are really dark. There's some things in C, you know, like open A. So Citizen Soldier-ish type, um, you know, Train, that, that song. And mm-hmm. uh, the first record with Greg, I think. And um, I want to if I remember correctly, I think he was the first one he actually played all the drums on. He'd, he'd been with us before, but that farmhouse, man, in Nashville, it was wintertime. And, and, and if anybody knows anything about Nashville, man, it rains in the wintertime, like a depressing amount. It is like, it's not even fun to do. It's like, mm. <clears throat> you want to, you don't want to be here. And so we were in that cold ass farmhouse. There was a, a little fireplace in the basement that you'd had to huddle around. You get up in the morning, freezing your nuts off. And you have to go down and, and kind of like thaw out in front of that thing. And then people be like, all right, let's go to, let's go to work and be like, man, I'm going to go like to Walmart where it's 72 degrees and hang out there for a few hours. I'll be back. You know, that that's kind of what you had to do. And uh, we ha- we got out of there. So what we ended up doing is taking everything we wrote there and moved to a mansion, a big like Scarface place in Florida in uh, winter park, Florida. And we lived in this place and it was, we lived there for like four months. The producer, Johnny K, all the guys in the band, our wives came in, our kids came in, like friends, quote unquote, came in. And, and, uh, and, and it was like, it was like open door policy band house in Florida with marble floors. And, and like, it was, it was pretty crazy, man. I'm going to be honest with you. It was like all the stories that you can imagine hearing are pretty much true. And, uh, do you have one do you have one crazy story that you, that you could share man I can, I can i can i can there's been so many but i but i'll say that 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 house um i'll tell a story about that house the guy that owns it now uh had no idea that we recorded there and in the the room we did the drums in was made out of like some sort of weird brazilian cherry wood teak whatever really nice kind of like handmade stuff and something got broken and somebody signed it but it was really small and it was in a spot where it didn't wasn't obvious and we figured you know we'll pay for it but it never came up and 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 that guy bought the house and he found it and he hit me up on twitter <laughs> and he was like did you guys re- happen to like were you guys in my house at some point and i was like yeah we recorded our record in your house man like so that's became, so cool we became friends and uh, and he ended up at a couple shows and but this house was built inside of the house like the courtyard was a big ass like custom swimming pool and you could like get up in the morning on the second floor walk out in into an open area of the actual house and dive off into the pool from your bedroom wow and then swim back up it was a pretty incredible place man yeah that's crazy um so back to the album though what would your favorite song be from that album uh it's not my time without a doubt just yeah. because of the just because of the 
I don't know, man. That's one of my favorite songs we've ever done. It's just a cool song. And when we play it live, you know, the little opening guitar riff is that little classical picking, little A minor thing that we're known for. And we got away with it really great then. We never got away with it again. Um, but but it just worked out, man. It's just a nice, fun, rocking song. I like it. Awesome. The uh, next one here, Time of My Life. Time of My Life. Howard Benson out in L.A., man. We uh, we went out there and lived in uh, we, we li- lived in the Oakwood, man, place where all those famous people die. Uh and and went and recorded that record with Howard Benson and Mike Polotnikoff and uh Howard's uh process of recording was a lot different than any other producer we ever worked for like uh, producers will take a song you wrote and they'll they'll go in and be like all right man well maybe if we try a bridge here we try this we try you know switching this out maybe modulations and they get all technical and they try to make the songs better right Howard was like all right cool man uh here here's the demo (laughs) go in there and play and so Greg played the drums to the demos. I thought we were going to be like doing pre-production and working. And he was like, no, these are great. Let's go. And so we started, you know, writing songs and uh, I mean, not writing, but, uh, but recording. And it was just bang song after song after song. The, the two days the drums were done. Then the bass was done. Then the guitars were, I was, it was flying. Like that's a, it's a process. And he has a team of people that it's a, it's a record factory. It's not a, it's a record studio, but it's a, it's, it's a record factory. Um, my favorite song on that record, it has to be, um, time of my life. I thought it should have been a single. It wasn't, it came out with when I'm gone. Oh, excuse me. When you're young, but you see what I did there? Cause it's yeah. <laughs> so similar. And, uh, I don't know if that was by design. It, I don't think it was, but it just kind of happened that way. It was weird. And, and no one, people brought it up the, brought up the argument that it sounded a lot similar to other stuff, but no one squashed it. Everyone was just kind of like, yeah, it's great. And I was like, should we say something to, you know, but time of my life was definitely my favorite song. Nice. Yeah. Now we're to the, uh, the, the latest one here, the most recent us in the night. Us in the night, man. We recorded that whole record in our, the band's like personal recording studio in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's like a, an overdub room on steroids. It's a dump. <laughs> and I mean, the carpet stinks. It's like, it's a, it's a CD project place. And, uh, I think the day rate's like 50 bucks and, and if, if people wanted to rent it and, but we did that record in there with, uh, with Matt Wallace and um, believe it or not, you know, the, the, we're huge, huge, huge conservatives and he is not, <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is a, he is a super lefty and good for him, man. You know, I don't have a problem with it, but, um, but it, it wasn't a problem, man. He was a nice. sweet dude. Yeah. Sweet dude. And we like, we shot guns and he was, <laughs> it was cool. And, you know, cause I mean, as you can tell, that's what we do. And, and, and he was really cool about it. I think my favorite song on that record has to be Dancing in the Dark. Or, or she likes to do it in the dark. Do it in the dark. Do it in the dark. That's do it in the dark. <laughs> it has so many different names. I had to think about it for a minute. But just because of just the uh, the video I thought was cool, um, it came off of an iPad. It wasn't even a, a guitar song. Um, Chet, our other guitar our other guitar player, like he completely wrote that song. And, and as he was doing it, I was like, well, him and Brad, and I was like, he was like asking for input. And I was like, man, you do this. That's, that's a good, you do that, dude, go for it. You don't need me to come in here and mess that up. Like that's a cool little riff and you know, the song's fun and it's, it's bouncy and it's energetic and let's just let it, let it, let it eat, man. And uh, between him and Matt and Brad, they really rocked it up and made it nice. And I like it. Nice. Uh, do you guys have plans on a new record? I know I've, I've seen, uh, I think Brad or, or maybe the band's page, they were tweeting out or Instagramming out that there was writing happening. I mean, there's nothing like set in stone, I guess, but I mean, how, how's that coming now? Well, I mean, to be completely honest with you, man, like um, it's really hard to to go in a studio right now because right. everyone's so so freaked out about being together and, and, and not the guys in the band, but like people that would have to work the record. Um, 
we did put out, we, we didn't put out anything. We, we wrote a song and just recorded it for the heck of it in, in that same studio just for fun. And we're going to put it probably, I don't know what we're going to do with it, honestly, but people will start hearing it soon. I think um, it's a really cool song. It's about the kind of the state of the world today. Nothing to do mm -hmm. with COVID. Thank God. Because <laughs> you know, as soon as COVID hit, everybody wrote a COVID song. Oh, there were a ton of them. I know. Yeah. Oh, and none of them were good. No. Nope. So, so we, we didn't do that. We kind of went into it's a it's an open-ended political kind of state of the world thing, but it doesn't have anything to do with conservative or left or right or any of that. It's just what you can make of it. I think people will hear it and they'll think it's about one person in particular, but not in a good way. Mm. And they won't understand why we would do that. And then other people will be like, wait a minute, I don't think they're talking about one person. I think they're talking about the media. And then other people will be like, I don't think they're talking about that at all. It's, so if you put five different people in a room, you're going to get five different opinions. And that's what we want. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier after, I think, the first or second album, we talked about um, wanting to learn a little more about the, uh, the other side of things, the actual recording process. Side of, is that something that, you're gonna, that, you'll, that you would want to do in the, in the future or oh, something that you'll, you'll look forward to doing or? I've made 50 or 60 records. With oh, them. you've already, yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do it like I'm pretty religiously. It's something that I'm really good at and I, I enjoy the work and uh, I enjoy the kind of being in the band for a few weeks. You know what I mean? I get to be in all these different bands, all these different people and get the personalities of them, but I ain't got to deal with them for very long. Because <laughs> band guys are typically dicks. But, <laughs> I have a question about that later. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to each other, especially. Right. So the, um, the show is called For the Berg, based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania here. Uh, do you have any favorite venues or cool show memories? Any places you'd like to go while on tour and anything like that? Yeah, we did the Rib Fest there, man, right there in the parking lot of the of the, of the of the Heinz Field. Like here's That's one of the biggest things I'm going to miss this year is Rib Fest because there's no way they're going to do it, obviously. And Rib, Rib Fest is awesome, man. <laughs> so cool. And I've yep. got – you know what? If, if, I, if I have a second, I, I think I still have it. I may have donated it, but I've got the greatest – pittsburgh steelers jersey really <laughs> they made for me and it's like it's a super duper real you know i love that crap and i'm not yeah. a huge pittsburgh fan but like i get it right and when they made that jersey for me they were like would you wear it and i was like hell yeah i'm a saints yeah. fan and an lsu fan but yeah, yeah. But, uh, i ain't have a problem with it it's it's cool it's a really really nice thing i really appreciated it that's really awesome yeah. um do you know do you know what the word uh what the term jag off means no nah means like like asshole dickhead douchebag whatever you, you've yeah, mentioned okay. that earlier um so i ask every guy this question on, on the show i'm kind of batting 500 on it you could do whatever you want i'm gonna ask it anyway uh being in this just these bigger bands meeting a lot of people anybody that you would have met that you were so excited to meet or, or thought they were going to be cool but they just they turned out to be a jag off oh yeah dude so many people <laughs> um, uh, and, and really though you gotta you gotta understand that the, the amount the more famous people are the more bullshit they have to eat. And so you'll meet people one day that are the biggest dicks you've ever met. And the next day they're not. And it just has to, has to be with what's going on. And at the time. And uh, like, for me, I met uh, Richie Sambora one night. He's pissed drunk when I met him. Super sweet guy, you know, super sweet, but he's pissed drunk. A week later I met him again and he was not the nicest guy I'd ever met. And he didn't remember meeting me and which understandably, and that's fine. Uh, I get it. We, between, you know, I understand how many people he's met. And, uh, but it was kind of a letdown because I was always a huge fan. I just wanted him to be nice and he kind of wasn't, but I understand because I've, I'm, I've been where he was at, you know what I mean? I've right. had bad days and people have come over to me. I'm usually like, I usually go way out of my way to be nice. Cause I'm a, I feel like I'm an okay person, but yeah, and you have good days and bad days and you just always can't give people what they need. 
So you get that kind of like, I've been called a dick before and um, it just happens sometimes, man. You just don't have time for them. But it's usually, for me, it was always someone working around a venue. It was never mm-hmm. a fan or never a person in public that appreciated us. There's always some, some jack off fucking guy at the back gate that wanted, you know, really wanted to fucking strong arm my past to make sure I, you know. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Those guys that only get to say no once a year and they, they say no a lot that day. That's, that's the guy <laughs> that I have a problem with, so. Uh, a couple of fan questions here. Um, do you or anybody in the band have any kind of weird superstitious pre-show rituals or anything like that before taking stage? Man, I listen to the same band every night, and I have for 25 years. And well, two, actually. I listen to Seven Dust and a band called Double Drive, which is a, a, a band that was turned I got turned on to by the guitar player in Seven Dust. What? <laughs> you know, and uh, and the, the Double Drive only did two records. I think it was uh, the first one was called Thousand Yard Stare, or I think maybe um, it was called that. I know there's a song on there called Thousand Yard Stare. And then the second one was called Imprint, I believe, or at least the single was. But, man, an incredible band that never did anything. And, I, and just fired me up between them and Seven Dust every night. And that was kind of my thing for a really long time. And then uh, I still do that this day but my ritual is about probably my ritual ritual for every show is an hour before the show maybe two hours before the show i just kind of lock it down and i don't do anything but just kind of sit there and i think about what i'm about to do mm-hmm. you know what i mean that makes sense and because i don't want to go i'm a i have a, like a lot of anxiety and i used to use i used to drink and party really hard to go out and do the job that i do because of my anxiety but that kind of got me at some point, not kind of, it got me, Jack. So I had to stop that and I had to relearn how to go out and play in front of people and not do it 10 to 15 to 25 to 30 to 300 to 400 to 500 to 10,000 people at a time. I had to go out and do it to a hundred thousand people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I had to learn, <laughs> I should have did it right the first time instead of, but you know, I did it. And so my ritual now is to just like, I have to go, I have to relearn, how to be um, excited about going out to play uh, every night. So I sit, man, I sit and I just chill. I don't talk. I don't like, I don't really play on my phone. I just kind of hang out and, uh, and I'll do it every day. People will be like, dude, you've been sitting on that chair <laughs> in the dressing room since like one o'clock. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing my, I'm doing my show thing that I do every day, you know? So yeah, that's there you go. Um, next one here. What band have you seen most live as a fan, not on tour with, but as a fan? Man, probably. That's a hard question, man. I've yeah. seen probably Kiss. I want to say Kiss or maybe Motley Crue. I've seen Motley Crue probably nine times, and they're not always the greatest live band. I ain't going to lie right. to you. But I've seen some videos. I know. <laughs> I've seen some shows. It's like you just never know what you're going to get with them. I saw them when uh, – I saw them with Karabi. Mm-hmm. Uh, not impressed. I saw them when they had that female drummer. She was a badass. Uh, um, I've seen him with Vince Neil, you know, seven or eight times. I've seen him in great shape, and I've seen him terrible shape and mm-hmm. uh, you know i've seen good shows bad shows bad sounding shows but i think uh probably either motley crew or kiss and then i have a, a really cool kiss story back in i think i was in the navy it was 1991 i was in dc and i was driving the beltway in dc i don't know it was like five o'clock on a sunday it wasn't a big it wasn't a, any special day and i was driving by and i saw a sign that said kiss live tonight tickets available it was me and my friend. I was like, dude, let's go see Kiss. They're right here. And it was without makeup. And it was the uh, Mark St. John was in the band, which is, which is, you know, so it was that era. And we walked up and bought tickets in an arena and went and sat down. The Kiss was already probably halfway through their set. There might have been 3,000 people in this place that held about 25,000 people. And that was my first experience with 
the state of music at the moment. Mm -hmm. I've been through yeah. that, but back then I hadn't been through it and I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know that, you know, music was a cycle and ticket sales are a cycle and it's all depending on economy and all these different things that go into it and bands suffer that. And I saw Kiss suffering it, man. It was bad, but they rocked it. Yeah. It, like they played, they played. They always the, put on a good show. Yeah. Give me it's Kiss, right? You're Even right. Like, <laughs> now they're badass. I saw, we, we just saw them like, I don't know, maybe six months before COVID hit. Right. Yeah. Then, so They were here on that tour too. Yep. Dude, they still sound great. And everyone was thinking <laughs> about Stanley's voice and how it wasn't that good, but I thought it was great. Yeah. I didn't oh. go, but my, my boss went and he gets tickets. He's in the front row every time. He's crazy. He spends sure. way too much money on the, that stuff, but hey, it was a great time. Uh, next one here. If your band could tour with just one other band for the rest of your career, just one band, who would that band be and why? Well, it'd have to be a stadium band. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say Guns N' Roses, maybe – I just think that'd be a cool tour. You get booed off stage every night because people be looking for Guns N' Roses, but <laughs> I think that'd be kind of cool to do something like that. But I mean, honestly, realistically, um, there's a lot of cool bands out there that we've toured with. I think that we really get along famously with, like everybody in the band gets along with everybody in the band. And it used to be, you know, I'd say probably Seether is, nice. is a cool band to really tour with. And, and they're just great guys, but Blackstone Cherry, you know what I mean? Maybe mm -hmm. not the most famous cats in the world, but man, such just genuinely great people. And they're just fun to be around and everything from them is super positive. And, you know, it's not like, you know, no one's backstage blasting crap. It's just, it's cool. It's a really cool vibe and they get along with each other. They love each other, they love their families. And, you know, it's really cool. So I'd probably say somebody like that just because of the enjoyment of actually going on the road is gets lost in the antics. You say, saying those bands, it makes me think I'd, I'd want to see you guys on tour with someone like Breaking Benjamin, I feel like would be a really good tour. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we've toured with those guys before. Did, and, see, there you go. <laughs> and I don't want to say nothing bad about them, but they did not like each other at the time. No. The, the version of the band that we were out with, not the version of the band now, I don't know anything about the, the new group, but the version of the band that we were out with, man, those guys did not like each other. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Um, ass, though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Last one here, and I'll let you go, man. I don't want to take too much of your time. This is a, kind of a weird one, but someone wants to know, playing so many shows uh, throughout your career, obviously a, a long, successful career, it's, it's um, bound to happen. When's the last time that you've bombed on stage and uh, what went wrong and how bad was it? For me personally, bombed on stage. I I can only remember one time and uh, three days in West Virginia. Um, it was bad. Uh, I'd say three days before that, maybe four days before that, I had a motorcycle accident, hmm. and I broke my like my jaw. My face was all busted up. My lips were busted up. Um, my my elbow, my shoulder was busted up. My hip was bruised really bad. I was having a hard time walking. I was kind of dragging my foot but the show must go on. And I really didn't mention anything to the band at all about it. And I just, you know, I was kind of medicating. <laughs> uh, prescribed medication. I was kind of medicating through it and uh, trying to deal. Cause there's only a few shows of the tour left and I was trying to not be that dude. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I was being that dude and uh, I literally could not play my parts. And, and, and what made it so bad was Todd, our bass player that night had fallen, I think that same night and broke his knee. And so he's hobbling, like limping and dragging a foot. I'm standing still and I just, I'm in so much pain. I can't play away from the sun. And I mean, people are booing us. It was really, it was the last show of the tour and I made it through every other show. But then it all kind of came to a head that night. And I remember, you know, after the show, um, Greg, our drummer came over and he was like, dude, what just happened? I was like, Greg, I mean, I was like, I don't know. Like I'm in a lot of pain, but he's like, I don't want to hear that. He's like, w w pain's ass. He's like, 
what what just happened to us on stage, man? And he's like, more importantly, what happened to you in particular up there? And he's like, don't give me no pain bullshit. It's more than that. And you know, I was I didn't have nothing to say. And and it was like that was the beginning of the of the end of all that for me. But that was the worst night of my life on stage. And I'll never, it'll never happen again, but I'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's all I have, man. But is there anything you want to say or plug or anything like that before we get off? No, man. I just hope this COVID bullshit goes away sooner rather than later. I hope there's a medical breakthrough or whatever needs to happen because there's a lot of people, a lot of bands that are just suffering so bad, man. Yeah. And, you know, not every band that everyone loves has enough stuff put away to get them through this and a lot of those guys have kids and a lot of their crews have children and they have you know dude it is devastating this this industry and a lot of gifted people are not coming going to come back from this and it's just the way it is and it, and, it, and it sucks and it's not our fault it's not their fault whose fault is it we don't know uh but it is unfortunate man so that's a shame for sure God, I hope there's a medical breakthrough soon and I, or I hope they can figure out how to get people to wear masks or whatever they got to do. Who, who fucking cares as long as we can go play some music. Yep. Cause people need us. We need them. hundred percent for sure. We're definitely looking forward to that, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one, man. Nope. <laughs> Mr. Pop.